This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello, and welcome to the Bobby Podcast. My name is Bobby Kazmaier, and for the last year and a half, I've been creating content on TikTok and through this podcast, navigating my experiences in ED recovery, what I've learned in recovery, um, how I've been able to overcome certain struggles with EDs and recovery, going through all my experiences, sharing them with you guys because I've found a true passion for helping and inspiring others going through similar struggles I was going through with food Um, and now using my experiences and learning from them to share that knowledge with others. And I want to reiterate the fact with this podcast, I am simply sharing my own experiences. I am not a licensed nutritionist. I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not an eating disorder recovery coach. I'm not certified, not licensed in anything. I'm simply sharing my own experiences through eating disorder recovery. Um, Through this last year and a half, I've been able to grow a following of over 200,000 people on TikTok, which to this day still blows my mind. Um, But like I said, I've been able to use my platform on TikTok to Um, help others, make others feel less alone um, if they're struggling with food or body image or anything along those lines. And it's truly been amazing. Um, And I love this podcast, especially because I love the fact that I'm able to express what I want to say in a longer form of content. There's only so much you can fit into a TikTok or an Instagram reel. Um, Being able to just sit with a microphone and just really be authentic for 30 minutes to an hour is amazing. Uh, it's really, it's, it's, it's truly great. It's awesome that I'm even able to do this. Um, so that being said, I really hope you enjoy the episode and thank you so much for listening. Today's guest on the Bobby podcast is Natalie Rose, also known as wake up and smell the rose on social media. I love that handle so much. <laughs> Natalie is an eating disorder therapist and helps her clients build and create a healthier relationship with food and body image. She has grown an audience of over 92,000 followers on Instagram and over 38,000 on TikTok by creating extremely wholesome and helpful content filled with tips revolving around binge eating, body image, recovery mindset, honoring your cravings. The list goes on and on. Uh, In this episode, Natalie courageously shares her own history with disordered eating in the past and how she found her path to recovery. She sat down with me to talk about how she got out of the binge restrict cycle, the impact wellness culture on social media has had on her and how she viewed food and building a healthy relationship with shame and finding the root of where our shame comes from and how it correlates to eating disorder habits. I really appreciate Natalie sharing her experiences and journey, and I know I learned a ton from her in just this episode, and I'm sure you will as well. All of Natalie's social media handles are linked in the description, so please go check out her content and drop her a follow. You will absolutely not regret it. Enjoy the episode. We have Natalie here. Natalie, thank you for coming on to the Bobby podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, I absolutely love your stuff, your content on Instagram, TikTok, everything you do is just so amazing. Um, How are you doing today? How's it going? Thank you. I'm doing so well. It's so good to meet you. I love your TikTok as well. Um, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. 
Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So for the, for the audience who may not know who you are and what you do, can you kind of just give you a, or give us a nice description on what you do? Yeah. So I guess I can label myself now as an eating disorder therapist before I was just a therapist and I guess had a fun blog on Instagram. And then eventually they kind of merged and now I'm an eating disorder therapist and I, I work out of Toronto and, um, yeah. That's awesome. That's eating disorder therapist. That's awesome. Is that always what you wanted to do? Um, when, once you entered the field of nutrition eating disorders, is that where you wanted to be? No, it's so weird because I didn't go into it thinking that I wanted to be an eating disorder therapist, even though there were so many instances in my life when I was interested in eating disorders and then also experienced my own disordered eating and was interested in nutrition and physical health and stuff like that. It sort of came together at the end, or I guess like the beginning of my career through Instagram. But basically I went to school for business, not knowing what I wanted to do at all when I was like 17 or 18. And then I loved my psychology class. So I majored in psychology, graduated and was fortunate to get a job in a private practice where I was doing assessments of people. And there I was sort of introduced to like the CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, relating to eating and back then it was called like weight management even though that's not what I focus on now um so that was sort of an introduction and then I decided I didn't want to just do assessments and behind the scenes work so I went back and did my master's in clinical and counseling psychology and as I was doing my master's I had a like a blog on Instagram and was just sharing my daily breakfast bowls because that by then I had was sort of like recovering from my own disordered eating and was sharing just like how much I was grateful to like have some freedom around food again so I was sharing my bowls and it was gaining an audience of people who had also struggled with disordered eating and it sort of then merged into one I was sort of like well I'm a therapist and I'm like learning how to help people and I love nutrition and I've always been interested in eating disorders and have my own disorder eating. So I just started specializing in eating disorders. So taking different courses and certifications and here I am. That's awesome. That That's so nice how that merger worked out for you. You kind of combine what you were doing and, and then combining it with your own past and your new your instagram blog that seems that that worked out wonderfully it's crazy how the world works sometimes that's that's awesome that's that's quite the story natalie that's amazing um and you mentioned you have your own prior history of disordered eating um would you mind diving into that a little bit and kind of tell the audience how you got to the point where you are now yeah for sure um i remember as young as like being six years old and struggling with my body image, which is so sad. And it's sad because it's so common these days too. So I don't know if that was like the beginning of body dysmorphia or just poor body image or what was happening, but it started then and kind of continued. And then when I was around age 12 and like my body was changing and I remember I went on a vacation to Italy with my parents and we had all this like amazing food. And two weeks later I came back and I was starting a new school. I was going to a different high school 
And I was like really self-conscious about gaining weight and not being accepted because of that at my new school. So I think it was like a couple of weeks before school started and I just started restricting my food and lost a lot of weight really quickly. And I, unfortunately, I did receive a lot of praise for that and attention. Like I made friends quickly, people commented on my appearance. Um, So it reinforced this idea that if I'm thinner, people will like me. Um, But the way that I was eating wasn't sustainable. So I started binge eating to compensate and it started this cycle of dieting or restricting and binging. And that lasted for probably throughout high school. And then when I got to university in my first year, um, that cycle was still happening. And then I was also drinking a lot of alcohol just for social reasons. And I went to a school that is very known for its partying. Um, And so that was just sort of mixed all together, like restricting, binge drinking and, and all of that. And then by the end of that year, I probably because of the way that I was harming my body through those behaviors, it triggered a heart condition. Well, I already had a heart condition that I was born with, but it made the heart condition worse to the point where I was told to stop drinking alcohol altogether. And that was really hard for me because that was sort of like my vehicle through social situations. I didn't really know at the time that I had social anxiety. So I would go to parties and drinking allowed me to be more open and make friends. So having to stop drinking, I didn't have that um, way of coping with my anxiety. So I started isolating myself, not going to parties and then binging. And then I, my weight was changing. So then I would try to restrict again. And then that cycle then like really geared up and was, was really bad throughout most of university. By the end of university, I had built up a lot of my confidence through um, just like the research that I was doing in school and I, in my in developing my interests and my passions. And I sort of like stopped dieting, like things were just sort of seeming to balance out by the end of university and I was feeling good. And then I came back home and my mom was diagnosed with cancer and that was really tough. So I led, I fell further down into like the dieting, binging and isolation again. And then it took me a few years to get out of that. And then I started um, finding more of like a healthy relationship with exercise. And I, I exercised because I loved it and I enjoyed it. And then I guess that was sort of helping me socialize more and build other relationships. So things balanced out in the sense that I found movement that I loved. I was more, you know, social and I started prioritizing nourishment versus dieting. So I started focusing on what my body actually needs to feel good. And that helped me get out of disordered eating eventually. That is quite a story. <laughs> that is, wow. Thank you for sharing that, Natalie. That's really courageous. And I'm glad, obviously, now glad to see you're in a much, much better place now using your experiences to help so many other people. And that's 
So amazing. And I, it really is tough because you know, I was, I feel like after hearing your story, I, I was in a similar situation as you. I was, you know, asking questions on how to lose weight when I was six years old. You know, I, you know, like it starts at such a young age. And like you said, it's so sad that there's so many people, especially now, it's just so prevalent starting at such a young age, these disordered thoughts, these habits, whether it be food, exercise, body image. Um, and then going into that cycle of the binge restrict cycle, I've, you know, very familiar with that. that I dealt with that when I, when I first started uh, university as well. And I know you, you've mentioned that, you know, you focused on nourishment. Um, was there anything else uh, or nourishment over anything, but was there anything else that you specifically did to help you get out of that binge restrict cycle? Cause like you said, you know, you're in there for years. It's so hard to get out of. It's like once, you know, cause the more you restrict, the more you binge vice versa. So what specifically did you do to get out of that cycle? So for me, I think it was kind of unique because remember how I mentioned how like the heart condition was sort of, um, was getting worse. So I developed like these blood clots related to my heart condition. And then I was told the doctor told me to exercise every day. And that's kind of dangerous because you could see how that might develop into something obsessive. I think I'm fortunate that I, it didn't become obsessive, but what it did was it shifted my mindset from exercising to lose weight to exercising because it's going to be good for my health. Um, so it, it wasn't like, and for me that just looked like, okay, I'm going to go for a walk, uh, for 20 minutes every day on the treadmill. Like I'll just do 10 minutes or 20 minutes and that'll be enough. Um, because when I was caught in the binge cycles, it, it was either like I was dieting and exercising every single day and not eating enough, or I'd be binging and not exercising at all and just isolated and struggling. So for me, that was a big step to promise myself every day that I would just do some kind of movement, whether it was just walking for 10 minutes or so that helped me focus away from weight loss because hyper-focusing on weight loss was something that was really keeping me in that cycle because it was causing me to engage in unhealthy behaviors that would just, I thought would help me lose weight. But when I focused on what would make me feel good, like what would get my blood flowing, what would help my digestion. Um, and I also met people along that journey. Like I was working with a personal trainer and she was encouraging me to eat carbohydrates and starches and grains that I wasn't eating when I was restricting because I thought they were bad. So she was helping me eat more balanced meals. So that also helped me get out of the cycle. Um, I will say that at one point it did become, it did teeter on the orthorexic side because I started hyper-focusing on what was healthy and buying into wellness culture. And it was all through Instagram, like, you know, eat as many superfoods as you can, uh, you know, these foods are poisonous. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. So it, it, I did struggle with that for a bit, but then fortunately also through Instagram following anti-diet dietitians and nutritionists helped me, um, like bust those myths around food. So through that exposure, I eventually like veered away from that and started allowing all foods in, um, and not feeling guilty or scared of food anymore. Amazing. It's incredible. And it's, it's funny, you know, I, I love how you mentioned like uh, in terms of like social media, like swaying 
how you looked at food both on both sides of the spectrum that just goes to show like the power of the internet and what it holds yeah. and, and what someone especially who's like a younger age who hasn't been exposed to much if they if you know if, if the wrong profile comes up on their explore page or for you page anything like that could just screw them for for years like it, it can really teeter their opinions their values everything and it's um it really is nuts because obviously there's so many people that are trying to debunk these myths like you like me like we're trying to debunk these myths we're trying to help people but there's also these other the other side of it where people you know they're doing it for the money they're spreading these false information just it's it's both sides of the spectrum it it truly is nuts um so how or what do you like to focus on for your content on instagram because you have over ninety thousand followers on instagram you reach a lot of people you help so many people uh so what are your what are your goals what do you aim to shoot for when you post on social media my goals are to help people feel comfortable with food again, to help food become fun again. Um, so I try to emphasize like incorporating all foods, that foods aren't scary, um, no foods are bad. Um, I try to reduce the guilt and shame around food because that's something that's just so insidious and it really is like at the core of most eating disorder behaviors. Um, and I, yeah, I just try to make food like colorful and enjoyable and fun to look at and fun to eat because at one point it was just like so stressful, not knowing what to eat and thinking that food was bad and just not being able to trust myself around food again. I love it. I mean, yeah, because food, food is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be this this stressful, this, this feels like a giant weight on your shoulders. It, it should be fun. It should be enjoyable. You should make memories with food. Um, and, and it also nourishes our bodies. So food is a great thing. And I'm glad you preach that. Obviously through all your content, you do so many amazing things. And um, you mentioned shame. And I know there's a lot of shame that ties in with binge eating, um, whether it be during the binge, after the binge, you know, you have this urge to binge. And then um, once it happens, you feel such guilt and shame uh, you feel like you messed up. And I know I've checked out some of your videos and you have some, or some posts and you have some posts on building a healthy relationship with shame. Would you mind kind of elaborating on that and, and how to build a healthy relationship with shame? Yeah. So I think that shame is something that happens outside of food. And then whenever we feel that guilt and shame around food, it's really triggering a deeper shame that has developed over the course of our whole lives. And like, it usually develops in our early lives, like in our childhood, when we're learning and developing the way that we see the world and that we see other people and that the way that we see ourselves. So I guess I'll give an example of what I mean, maybe like using my own personal experience. So I think that for me, disordered eating developed or like focusing on my body and weight loss and perfecting my eating habits developed as a way to cope with shame that I already had about myself. So I felt that, you know, if I looked perfect and I ate perfectly, that I'd feel better about myself and that others would view me as better as well. Um, and I think that's pretty common, uh, especially with diet culture and just the whole system of beliefs around thinness being ideal. Um, so I guess like 
for me, building a healthier relationship with, with shame was about identifying what my shame was and where it developed. So for me, it was like things that I experienced growing up, like, um, like sort of like female bullying, which is more like exclusion and gossiping and sort of less overt bullying that made me feel like I, like I wasn't interesting enough or people don't like me. I'm not likable. Um, so I internalized that because I didn't have a way of describing or expressing my emotions around those experiences. Like I was hurt by these people who hurt me and that's okay. I'm not a bad person. So for me, I, I just, because I felt ashamed, I sort of personalized that as it must be because I am shameful or there's something wrong with me. So and I think that's what people struggle with. Like, you know, with my clients, I notice that when they're giving up disordered behaviors or they're not relying on their eating disorder as a way of coping, and they're now feeling very vulnerable to those raw emotions of shame of like, okay, but what if I'm not good enough? Like, what if people see me now and, and I'm not good enough? Maybe, it, maybe it's not about my body, but what about me as a person? And that's what shame is, shame, toxic shame. I guess there's a difference between shame and toxic shame. So I'm talking about toxic shame, which is like that you believe that you're not good enough or there's something defective about you and wrong with you. And I think that's what was sort of transferred into my body image where I felt that way inside. And then when I looked at myself, I projected those feelings onto my body like there's something wrong with my body and if I fix it I'll feel better or I'll be acceptable so healthy shame is something that we are all born with and susceptible to it's a normal emotion that tells us when we're you know we have limitations and we can work harder at something and get better so for example like if you feel ashamed of um maybe a way that you you treated a friend like maybe you made a mistake or you said something that you didn't mean and you feel shame around it you might just think okay like I'm human I, I make mistakes I was emotional um how can I learn to manage my reactions and how can I make up how can I make up for this um whereas toxic shame would say like I'm a bad friend I'm a bad person I should not talk to anyone and I guess when it comes to food, I think that's where we rely on that as a coping mechanism. Like if I eat well, then I'm a good person or I'm superior. Wow. I just learned so much about shame. I, seriously, <laughs> that was probably the most in-depth analysis of shame I've, I've ever heard. And I'm sure the audience can, the people listening can definitely resonate with what you just mentioned. That's, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so I think you're right. Like, uh, you know, in terms of the body image, the food, like, they, and you know, like coincide with one another, because if you, uh, if you have this guilt and shame, uh, for example, if you binge eat in a sense, at least for me, it feels like you're failing that, um, the need to look a certain way, because, you know, if you binge eat, oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to gain this weight, you're going to lose this body image that you, that you're coveting. Um, but as you mentioned, there's such this, there's this deeper, um, reasoning behind why you're coveting this body image, um, and why you want to look a certain way and eat a certain way. 
Um, so yeah, there, there's a whole just emotional, deeper aspect regarding food. And it's, it really is, it's, it's so interesting. And I love hearing about that stuff. So thank you for sharing that about shame. Um, and I, I actually switching gears a little bit. I saw your Instagram story today, how today's your, your five years of um, like eliminating the, the, the toxic diet culture thoughts and um, cutting out foods and tracking macros calories. So congratulations on that. First of all, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> thank you. Of course. Uh, and you mentioned uh, in, that, or in that story, there was a little, there was like a tidbit about like vacations and vacations. If you're in disordered eating or you have an eating disorder, they can be really tough to deal with. Um, Cause you know, you're in this totally different place. You're, you're out of your comfort zone, at least with food. Like you're not typically going to be eating the way you normally would. Um, you're going to be going out a lot. You're going to be seeing all this, trying these really good foods, but you know, the foods, those foods in your brain, or to your brain might seem, you know, bad and, you know, they're not, they're not good for your, for your ED. I don't know. Um, so can you kind of talk about the, the mindset shift when you're on vacation? Because they can be tough. I've dealt with it myself. Um, thankfully now I'm, I'm okay with, you know, allowing myself to enjoy foods on vacation because, you know, it's, they don't come around very often, but um, can you kind of explain how you were able to switch your mindset when you go on vacation? Yeah, I remember it being, like a singular moment when I just like, and I don't know if like this might be triggering, but I was looking in the mirror, the way that you do when you're struggling with your body image and just like being critical. And normally, like it was such a pattern that I even learned over like messages that I'd heard growing up. Like I remember my parents' friends came over for dinner one time and they wouldn't eat the pasta we were serving because they were cutting carbs before vacation. So it's just that mindset had been <laughs> developing for a while, but I would practice the same where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to be in a bathing suit. I'm going to be exposed. I need to lose weight or look my best. So I would do some kind of diet. And then there was just that one day when I looked and I was like, I was just kind of exasperated by it all. And I was just like, if whoever I'm going on vacation judges me, for my body or, you know, then that's their issue. Like I refuse to just buy into that anymore. And I just want to have fun on vacation. And I was like, I'm not dieting. Like, this is how I am. I'm showing up as I am. And of course, like, you know, the body dysmorphia is telling you otherwise, but I just, I just made that decision that day. And maybe I was sort of already on my way out of the binge restrict cycle so I was like sick of it and just want to make myself vulnerable to that again because of course the more restrictive you are before vacation you're already walking into vacation with the mindset that it's just like a free-for-all and you're going to binge and just overdo it as opposed to just treating it like any other day like you eat eat different foods that you don't normally eat, obviously, because that's part of the fun thing about vacationing, but you know, you're, you're, you're eating mindfully and just wanting yourself to feel good at the same time versus, um, feeling out of control. A hundred percent. And at least from my experience, regardless, you're going to feel, at least for me, I felt guilt or shame because of due, due to the regret of not trying certain foods or, 
overeating on vacation. And, you know, so I feel like either way, you're going to experience yeah. negative connotation towards it. Because I, I remember, you know, a couple of years ago when I was in my depths of my struggles, I went on vacation to a cruise and um, there were so many great foods to try, but I, I restricted myself because I was so nervous and just afraid. And then when I got back, I just regretted it so much. I was like, like what am I doing? I just, I wasted this golden opportunity to, to try new things and new foods and this wonderful experience. And I gave it up for what, <laughs> for what it's it's, it's crazy. So that's, that's awesome to hear that you switch that mentality with vacations and whoever is, whoever is listening to this, just, if you're going on vacation, I, I get it. They can be stressful. Um, especially if you, if you dealt with the sort of eating patterns or thoughts and, but just memories over macros any day of the week, you know, memories. I love are, that. Yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorite. I, I have no idea who coined that, but it's one of my favorite, mm-hmm. one of my favorite terms. Um, and uh, Natalie, I would love to hear your thoughts on, or your strategies on, how to specifically challenge an ED thought because just challenging it alone, whether it be successful or not, is one of the most powerful things you can do if you're struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating. So what is one specific thing or strategy you uh, you use to, to challenge an ED thought if it arises? I think out of there's a few different strategies, like you can challenge it, you can reframe it. Um, you can use affirmations, but I think something that's really helped me the most is that is viewing thoughts as a way of your brain trying to cope with discomfort. So if you're having obsessive thoughts about food, it's really a sign that you're feeling anxious or afraid or ashamed or sad or lonely. So I like to identify the thoughts, externalize them. Like, okay, I'm having a lot of eating disorder thoughts right now, or that's disordered, or of course I always have that thought in this situation. Um, And I can either challenge it by like thinking of a more realistic way of thinking about food, but sometimes that's hard when you really believe those thoughts. Um, So I could otherwise just kind of, notice it and push it away and acknowledge that this isn't going to be helpful. Like this thought is just making me feel bad about myself or about food. Um, or it's encouraging me, encouraging me to engage in a behavior that's going to leave me feeling worse. So how can I just push it away and deal with the emotion? So if that's anxiety, then I'll cope with anxiety in a different way, like either by listening to music or talking to someone um, or just taking a few deep breaths to ground myself or if it's related to shame like just sort of acknowledging that and showing myself compassion like you know it sucks that I'm feeling this way about my body right now or about food it makes sense given what I've been through and you know how can I just comfort myself right now as opposed to engaging in this thought this thought will not help me Right. And I, I love that. I love acknowledging it and showing compassion for yourself. Uh, Cause I think dwelling on it, it's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, and acting on it obviously is not necessarily going to help. Um, and I think acknowledging it, you know, re- the raising, you know, you're raising awareness to yourself. You're saying, okay, I'm having this thought right now. Okay. You know, it's here now. What? And then I think just that by itself is um, that goes such a long way because, you know, you're either, if you have the thought, you're either going to give into it or you can think about it for a second, sit down. Like, you know, for me, when I was dealing with binge eating, something I would do is whenever I got the urge to binge eat, I would, 
I would record myself. I, I would put on my phone, just record myself and just kind of sit there with it and just, just kind of just be alone for a little bit and just think about, okay, this is, and I told myself, I'm not going to grab my phone again until this urge goes away. I'm not going to do literally anything else. I'm just going to leave my phone here. I'm going to go take a shower, going to do my homework, do something else, anything else. And then once that urge passed, I grab my phone and turn off the recording and the urge passed. So just, just challenging it. I love how you said reframing it too. I think that's because there is more than one way to go about um, having an eating disorder thought and fighting through it. Um, it goes such a long way and it's, it, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> and when you find like that feeling of like, when, like the first time you challenge it and you get through it, whatever it is that it's one of the greatest feelings. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I love how you, like you basically sat with the discomfort you, you delayed the binge, like you set a timer. And so delaying the binge, you rode the wave, like you rode the wave of the urge. And then by the time it was over, you stopped recording. Like, I think that's ingenious. That combines so many different strategies. Right. Because, you know, I, I want to become curious about it. It's like, okay, why did this happen? Like, did I have a stressful day? Like, did I have something mm-hmm. bad happen to me at work, at school? Like, well, why did this happen? Am I overstressed? Like, so just kind of breaking it down, analyzing it uh whatever that urge is um or whatever thought it could be analyzing and breaking it down it goes such a long way because i feel like you're gonna if it arises you if it arises you're gonna sit with it regardless um so you can either act on it and give in and or you can break it down become curious about it um and move forward um so there's, yeah that's awesome yeah, exactly um well, Natalie, thank you so much that you just provided so much amazing insight on shame, your story, your backstory is incredible. You're a very courageous individual um, and the industry, I guess you can call it, is glad to have you in uh, part of it because you're helping out so many people. You're doing so many amazing things and keep up the great work, Natalie, seriously. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I can say the same for you as well. It's probably so helpful to see someone so relatable, just, you know, showing on TikTok what it's like to to live with binge eating and these kinds of thoughts and guilt and shame and yeah it's amazing what you're doing as well and thanks for having me on the podcast oh of course you're welcome back anytime this is a wonderful conversation um and I'll, I'll link all of Natalie's socials in the description so go drop her a follow if you haven't already like I said she posts incredible content on Instagram and on TikTok um is there anything else you'd like me to plug for you while we're here <laughs> I guess I forgot to mention my handle which is wake up and smell the rosé <laughs> I love that by the way That's, <laughs> I love that um excellent well Natalie thank you so much I hope you have a great rest of your day thank you for coming on thanks Bobby you too thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bobby podcast if you found this episode relatable, if you resonated with it in any way, if it made you feel less alone, that's truly amazing. That's incredible um, because that's the goal of this podcast. I really want to make and help others feel less alone, whatever they're going through, because this this stuff is tough. You know, like ED recovery is tough and I never want anyone to feel alone in this because I know there were times I felt alone. So um, I never want anyone to feel alone. So if you um, found this episode enjoyable, Make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Check out my TikToks. Um, I will leave all those links in the description. I really appreciate you listening. You're all the best. Have a great rest of your day.